What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Chaos in Christ podcast. I'm your host, Alexi Felix, and I want to thank you for taking the time to hang out with me today on this new episode. I just have one favor to ask, and that's if you like me enough, and this podcast has been somewhat providing some value for you. If this, by the end of this episode, provided value, then all I ask is that you share with one person, just one person. You can do a little screenshot. Share it with one person that you believe probably needs to hear this, and that's all I'm asking, and it would mean a lot. And of course, if you haven't done so already, follow this podcast. That would also mean a lot. But all right, that's it. That's all I got to say. What I want to talk about today is something that I am calling the temptation of bad memories. Now, as Christians growing in our walk with Christ, we eventually remember our sin, and those memories start to kind of creep back up. So for some of us, it's grief, grief of whatever it is that it was. It's enough for us to just feel the weight of it and the sickening in our stomachs because we actually did those things. Isn't it something that as new creations in Christ, we can look back at who we were and cringe deeply because we just know that is a different person. That is no longer who we are. But as we move on in this life and as we grow in sanctification with God, as we spend more time with him, you start to recognize that these things tend to kind of surface up a lot more and you begin to feel a lot more heavy about the things that you've done before and it leaves a sense of grief over you. I know that for me, sometimes I'll get a cloud that just kind of hovers over my head out of nowhere. It's a random moment, random time, and there's a wrestling that takes place. Now, of course, be encouraged and know that if you are in Christ, now there is no condemnation. So be encouraged with that, please. But at the end of the day, we are humans. We are dealing with the same thing that every other Christian is dealing with. The ramifications of sin and all the consequences that come along with it. So there's that. Another situation where memories start to pop back up has to do with embarrassments, where you acted out a certain way out of character that you're embarrassed by and for the most part it's not only that you're embarrassed by it but those that were around you that witnessed you act in this specific way they're not only a part of it but they can't seem to let go of that reputation that you left behind it's who they remember you to be and so we all struggle with that as well And then the last one is the main one that I'm trying to get my point across is that for some of these memories, they come along with temptation. Now, these memories are basically sins that you have committed in the past that are coming back and tempting you to return, basically. And that could be a lot of things, drugs, sex, money, cheating, manipulating, whatever it is. You know what it is. You know what you have to battle with every single day. And every person has that one. And it's a temptation. And so I actually was dealing with that. And I thought that this is something that I believe other people are dealing with too. Now when it comes down to drugs, there's an enticement there that I think we all understand because comes with that addiction. And the feeling of an escape from 
life's heaviness and woes and the depression that sometimes people carry from their past that they try to alleviate with drugs. Knowing what God has set you free from doesn't mean that those temptations don't come back up around, especially when you're going through some stress in your life. When the stress comes in your life, that's the first thing that most people think about when they've struggled with that so much. Me as a person that used to smoke a lot of weed, that would be the very thing that popped up in my head. The minute I felt stress, the minute that I was going through something, I just thought that I was going to smoke that night. And that's what's going to make it all better. And even if nothing was going wrong and I was just having a really good week at work with life, whatever, the craziest thing is I would still try to reward myself with that very thing. And so it just continued to kind of take you down a rabbit hole. So as a person who has been redeemed from that and has been set free from its bondage, It's no wonder that when you get that memory resurface and some sort of thing triggers it, that you are actually starting to feel enticed by it. And so that is a thing that people wrestle with. Sex is another one. The promiscuous life, the attempt of just sleeping around. I'm ashamed of it, and I've been there. And it's one of those things that that really hovers over me and it's not it's nothing to be proud of it's nothing to boast about and unfortunately we live in a culture that boasts about these things but the destruction that comes with it the chaos that is ensued it's very devastating it is a sin against god but also the scripture teach that it is a sin against your own body now it's that's something a memory that can kick up out of nowhere in specific moments any trigger can really kind of happen and then you start to remember those scenarios those memories are dangerous because not only that your mind is remembering it but so is your body and those are the ones that many men especially really battle with because it's it's an enticing thing and it's almost like a drug in and of itself that thought that comes back up can make you think Well, I remember that time. And we don't say it out loud, but we wonder, what if we decided to do that at least one more time? What about money? Well, money is not a problem, okay? Money is an amoral tool. It is a means to an end. And it really just depends on you as a person. If I put $20 on my desk and I stare at it, it'll do nothing. It's not until I grab it and decide to make an action with it, whether I'm determining to do something good or evil with it. Just depends. But the enticement of being tempted with money is how you got it in the past. And there are some ways that we got money that does not glorify God. Now, I could be extreme and say, well, it's drug dealing and it's gambling. It's whatever, (laughs) selling guns i don't know and that could be true selling drugs of course that's fast money right i mean think about it could you clock in for an hourly job wait two weeks to make 600 bucks when you can actually just flip a bag and make 600 bucks in like six minutes (laughs) i'm just it messes with you but there's another way that we are enticed to bend the corner kind of bend the rules dip into the gray area to make money 
For example, me as a person who works in sales, there's a lot of lying and manipulating that could be done in order for me to close a deal, is there not? Could I kind of omit certain information about a service or product so that a potential client wouldn't ask and probably be turned off by it and then let him figure it out down the line when he's upset about it? Could that happen? I'm sure. And you know what? I've worked alongside those people and I have been that person. Manipulating customers so that way you can get a deal and get a commission and then show your boss you're actually a hustler when in reality you're just a cheater and a manipulator. But that idea of how to get money, sometimes it worked for you and you had a big payday and it was such an adrenaline rush because you made money swindling. So that memory can pop up again, especially when you're going through a financial hard time. Or when you just don't have the same amount of money you once had when you were doing those kind of things. And you're missing the lifestyle. All that stuff, that's a very real thing. Cheating, manipulating. When you can move pieces and be strategic with people, with your business, with politics even. Manipulating and cheating could be very enticing. And when God has saved you from it, sometimes these memories can kick back in. I want to inform you guys that you're not alone. That even the person you think should have it all together doesn't. And there's still a battle being waged. Let's look at Romans chapter 7 verse 15. Reads, for I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. That's the Apostle Paul speaking. If you know anything about the Apostle Paul, he he's the apostle that established Many churches brought the gospel to the Gentiles, suffered greatly for the gospel, and he was that guy that actually wrote a majority of the New Testament. So there's something to consider there. You're not alone because he himself is attesting to it. Now, Paul describes freedom from the law a couple of verses before that. When you read it, you start to read where sin comes from, how it started in Adam, how we were slaves to sin first that we died in Adam, but we have life in Christ. So now we are dead to sin, but alive in God. And he goes into how sin took the opportunity from the commandment and seized it and caused us to desire that which we should not have desired, causing us to die. But then Christ coming and taking that sin and taking that penalty on the cross to die for us, we have then been made free and set free. And then he gets into this kind of this thing where we realize that we still struggle, that we are now slaves of righteousness, but there's a battle being waged. There's a battle within us being waged, and it desires to rule us over again. Paul understands that we are of the flesh sold under sin. Paul relates to us. Now, the law was good, but we sin because of it, because sin sees the opportunity. And since Adam, we have been sold under sin, and so we are made of the flesh. But in Christ, again, as I repeat, we are made free. But it shows you that even the Apostle Paul dealt with it. And remember, the Lord himself was tempted every which way. And so he is not without empathy. He is not without understanding. We have a God who knows exactly what we have felt and feel when we're being tempted. 
The only difference is he didn't give in to sin. He remained perfect and righteous before God, and he died the perfect death to satisfy the wrath of God. So there's that. You're not alone. And there's definitely other people in this world that go through the exact same thing, everyone. So have that sort of encouragement to know that you're definitely not alone. But here's my other point. Memories could actually be a grace from God. Because what would happen if you cannot remember the guilt that comes right after you have sinned? What would it be like to not remember the consequences of the sins that you committed? Seriously, think about it. Why are we always enticed with the thing that is pleasurable first, but we never see the other side of the coin? We never think about the other side of the coin because the devil isn't presenting to you everything. He isn't saying this is going to be good right here, but I promise you five minutes after, you're going to want to hate yourself. If he'd have said that, it turned you off right away. If he'd have presented to you what it would be like to actually go this route and it would tell you that it's death, basically. But here, it's still fun for about two minutes. You wouldn't go that way. Except that that's not what is being sold to you. You're being sold the quick pleasure, the quick enticement, the quick fix. And really what it is, is it's enticing your sin to rebel against the one true God. If you could not remember your guilt and consequences, you'd be repeating it over and over and over again. You'd be like a person who has nerve damage, who cannot feel his hand against a hot boiling pot being burned. But make no mistake about it, you're being burned. Your flesh is rotting. The fact that we have a reflex whenever we touch something that is extremely hot is a beautiful analogy of how we should be when it comes down to that memory that comes back that tries to tempt us to sin again. It should be a reflex of that protection. No, that's hot. I ain't messing with that. That's how we should be dealing with this. These memories, if seen in perfect light and understanding, would just remind you, oh yeah, I remember that. I also remember how I felt afterwards. I felt like dying. I felt like I couldn't even sleep at night. I couldn't see or look at, I couldn't look at my wife. I couldn't look at my husband. I couldn't look at my kids. Just remember those things. Remember the feeling. Because it's real. Because if you are in Christ, that conviction is no joke. It will slam you. It would rob you of peace. I promise you. I've been there. I'm speaking from experience. It will rob you of all your peace. You can't even sleep at night. It happened to me. There was times where I would just come home and I just couldn't sleep. Tossing and turning, stick to my stomach. Trying to just be able to go to sleep. And hopefully the night would take me away and I would wake up. Sometimes I did. And guess what? When I woke up, man, was it heavy. It was still there. It didn't run away. I still had to face that issue. I tried to drown myself in work. Still there. But memories will protect you. And that is the grace of God. Thank God for those for the memories of our shortcomings. Because now we can... Come before him and say, you've set me free. And I don't want to go back to that ever again. Here's a passage to really think about. And I think it's so good for whenever this time comes around. For when you were slaves, this is Romans chapter 6, verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin. So think about that. You were literally a slave to sin. 
as being a slave to sin, I mean, there's no wonder why you have memories that are surfacing up and are trying to tempt you because it's almost like PTSD. You've been through it for a long time. Yeah, your body remembers. It goes on to say, you were free in regard to righteousness. Yeah, because when you were a slave to sin, you didn't live for righteousness. You hated it. And you thought that what you had there was all good until God showed you a different way and you realized that what you had wasn't good at all. It was actually pretty disgusting, pretty corrupt. But you were free from that righteousness that weighs over you. The reason why Christians can't sin I mean, they do, but can't sin without having guilt and conviction is because they're no longer slave to sin. They're a slave to righteousness. Christ has set you free and has called us to live holy lives. But check out verse 21. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed of? For the end of those things is death. And in verse 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that's the part that we're not remembering when it comes down to these memories that, you know, come out of nowhere. They're triggered by something. We're remembering the momentary pleasure, the adrenaline rush, the high, the sex, whatever. You're remembering that, but you are not remembering what comes right after. And I mean right after. The conviction that will slam you and rob you of your sleep, and the consequences that come with that. And by consequences, I mean it. I mean financially, I mean spiritually, mentally, and even relationally. The people that love you, the people that are surrounded with you, you will alienate them, push them away, betray them in your pursuit of sin, and people won't deal with that for long. You'll find yourself alone. You'll find yourself losing your family you'll find yourself realizing that you destroyed the good things that you had for momentary pleasure. There are real consequences happening, and they happen right then and there, but I need you to understand this too. They also happen years down the line. I'm still dealing with mine that happened years ago. This is a long-lasting effect. So when you can think about this, remember when you're enticed again and that memory comes back around, just look at verse 21. Let the verse ask you this question. What fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you're now ashamed of? Nothing good. All destruction, all chaos. That's all you got. That's the fruit. And the verse ends and says it ends in death. And the wages of sin, what sin will pay you for your work is death. That is so true. When I first heard that a couple of years ago, and I, by the way, I read this so many times, millions of times, but a couple of years ago in 2020, when I read that, it changed my life. It made me realize what was happening. And I realized why I was where I was in the depression that I was dealing with because I was getting paid in death and I was dying. And eventually I probably would have died, literally. I mean, who knows? Who knows? I was there with you. Trust me, the consequences were very real then and they're very real now. So I guess the question is, what do we do now, right? What What do we do now? I feel you, brother. I'm hearing you. I hear what you're saying. It makes sense. Well, here's what I'm going to leave you guys with in hopes that it just leaves you with some practical, hopeful steps to take. 
If you're a Christian and you call yourself a Christian, then you know that it's Christ alone who can set you free. And indeed, he has, and you know that he has. So as much as we remember that sin, we must be diligent in his word to remember what? His word. Let's read Romans chapter 6, verse 5, down to 6. For if we have been united with him, and that's key, if we have been united in death, in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self, underline that if you're reading the Bible, our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to death so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. That's key. It has to be all in Christ, not in your own strength. Because if you are united with him in a death like his, then we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him. And if you can sin without any conviction in the world, then you are not crucified with him. You still live for yourself and you're still living in unrighteousness. So the first step is knowing that even if you call yourself a Christian, everybody calls themselves a Christian these days. But if you are calling yourself a Christian, it has to be Christ and Christ alone. And remember that you are not capable of saving yourself and you don't have enough works to save yourself. The gospel message is good news because we've all fallen short of God's glory, broken his laws and deserve hell. Christ came and died for that very sin that we broke and took it on the cross. So if you believe in him and trust in him and trust that he is the Lord and Savior, then we will be saved. So that's very key. That's very important. And then next, from there, confess and repent of your sins daily. Not once, not twice, every day. You fall short every day. Confess your sins before. This is the life that we're called to, a life of repentance. We are being renewed and transformed every single day. So get with it. Humble yourselves before the mighty hand of God, seek his face, and confess your sins. And then get to church. There is no lone Christian out here. Don't listen to the internet and their foo-foo weird stuff that they keep throwing out there. All that fluff about online Christians and online church and online preachers, online this, online that. No, you have to get together with the body. And don't give me this mess about church is not the building. Okay, then go to the park together. I don't care. Meet in the car, meet in the basement, in the house, coffee shop, whatever. Get together with believers in the physical where you guys can sing hymns and psalms and pray and worship the Lord and share and confess your sins to one another, to the Lord, and then to one another to find encouragement, to get discipleship, to share in joy. We are called to this. We are not lone wolves. We can't walk out there, call ourselves a Christian soldier against a horde of demons. It's not going to work. You ain't that special. All right? You are not David. We need him and we need each other. And Christ has died for the church and has called us to not neglect the gathering of the saints. That's Bible. Read it. And next, another point, prayer and being in his word consistently constantly non-stop why well i'll tell you why psalms 119 11 i have stored up your word in my heart that i might not sin against you you hear that 
That's why we get the word and we read it because we store it in our hearts so that way we won't sin against God, that we would, that we might not sin against him. It is our best defense, our sword, his word. In 2020, I was given a one-year Bible. Now, I thought I was better than a one-year Bible. I was not, clearly. And I was reading it every day since. Until this day, I'm still reading it. And I promise you, it has been the difference for me. So when these memories start to kick up and they're tempting me to go back, the Word of God starts to kind of surface back to the forefront. The Holy Spirit brings it out. Or just simply remember it, right? And because of that, I can't go, I can't go against my conscience. And I start to say it out loud and pray. But that's because I've put in about three years, close to three years now, of reading this one-year Bible along with my other studies throughout the day and school. Yeah, guys, this is legit. This is war. It's inevitable. You're going to deal with this. You're going to come with this more often than not. And the more you get closer to Christ, the more you start to remember these things. And the more grievous it is and how it just makes you feel and then the more that it would try to tempt you to go and fall again. But you are no longer a slave. And you are no longer the same man. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. If indeed you are in Christ. So I hope this brought you value. I hope you got something out of this. Follow these key points. Very important. Make sure that you just hear me out and, and again, confess your sins, go to church, pray, read the word, and make sure you're in fellowship with one another. All right? Now, until next time, though, remember that in the midst of chaos, Christ is there. God bless you.